Before we start tonight's episode, we here at the Mad Scientist Podcast just wanted to send a quick special shout out to our listener, Elizabeth Smith. Elizabeth right now is going through a rough time with the health of her mother, and we hope for a very speedy recovery. Elizabeth, we hope you're doing well. Our thoughts are with you. Hang in there, and hopefully you'll have more questions for us soon, because it's getting a little slow in here. Truly, truly slow. All right, everyone again, thank you so much for listening, and let's get on with the show! Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Mad Scientist Roundtable. I'm your host, Chris Cogswell. I am joined by the wonderful Marie Mayhew. Hello, Marie. Hello, Christopher. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing so great. So, so great. Doing so well, seriously. So good. We're, oh, man, we're getting into my favorite holiday season. I'm, like, raring to start decorating for Halloween already. I bought... I bought a I bought a shirt today that's just a jack o' lantern face on it. It's bright orange. I look like a moron in it, and I'm gonna wear it every weekend when I'm allowed to wear not work clothes. It's gonna be great. I think you should just wear it 24 seven. Just wear it. Just, just wear it like to work. Like the first, imagine the first day everyone's like, oh, that's kind of funny. Like the third day they're all like, has think, anybody talked to HR? You know, think, like three weeks think, in they're I like, think, no, seriously. See, has he washed that shirt yet? I think has we have to call wa- it. How many is of those shirts does he have? Still alive? What's going on at home? Jesus. What's going Anyways, home? Marie, you have been you've been on vacation. I have. You've taken a much a well deserved vacation. A total break from reality. Total you break from reality. Kingdom. Awesome. Which is awesome, and yeah, just burnt through our credit cards there, which yeah, is always good. Of course. Um, which is always healthy. A little healthy spending. <laughs> uh, bought a bunch of bought a bunch of crap. Um, you know, bought a bunch of crap from the mouse. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it was awesome, and then we actually did a little side trip. That if we have time, I'll tell you about because it's it it is uh, straight out of playbook horror films. Well, of course we're going to make time now because you said you were in a horror film on your vacation. Phenomenal. So So this episode, we are going... So first off, with Halloween coming up here, you've probably noticed if you're listening to this show that we've been doing a lot of interviews recently. And the reason is because basically... Interviews are kind of, first off, I love doing interviews, and I think they're really good. And when we get really good guests, like the guests that we've had recently, it's phenomenal. But I'm sure a lot of you are missing the standard kind of format episodes. And so we are going to be hitting those hard again really soon. We will be doing, so we have four special episodes lined up for Halloween, Marie. Are you excited? <laughs> you should be excited. <laughs> I was actually thinking. I, am, I was man. actually thinking one of one of the Halloween roundtables we should do our biggest, like our top ten biggest fears. <gasps> yeah, scary, right? Yes. I'm gonna tell you right now. Yes. My top three are all variations of getting impaled or stabbed. Sweet to death. Yeah, okay. so that's cool. Okay. So. That's- so I the see that the four that. the four uh, episodes that I have lined up in kind of, I guess, the standard Mad Scientist episode, whatever. I don't even know what the hell we call them. Whatever. The one-player mode, I suppose. Just you being, you being your science Just self. Just me being my science self. You we're going to do... On, man. We're going to do an episode on vampires and other parasites. Sweet. We're going to do an episode on satanic panic. Ah! We're going to do an episode on the history of Halloween. Love. And we're going to do an episode on... 
a scary alien abduction case. Aww. And we're going to try to find a really scary abduction case. I'm just going to say right now, there is a really funny one that I want to do, but I don't think it's scary enough. And this case, for those young listeners at home, cover your ears, earmuffs. It's time for earmuffs. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The, this, Parents, guy, cover your ears. this guy claims that the aliens came from Venus mm-hmm. and the aliens, mm-hmm. they showed up, they showed up at his house. So he's laying in bed. Venus. Okay. Venus. Check. So the Venetians, no the Venetians Check. land, they, they land in his, in his house or on his, on his roof or whatever. They get into his room. Okay. 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 And must've been a load know, bearing. So imagine, load bearing just right. <laughs> shut up, Marie. Imagine <laughs> we have, imagine we have like, there's fog, right? There's like green uh-huh. mist and fog. And, you know, you, like the theremin's going on. Yeah. Right. Some and dope lighting cues. And, uh, okay. and out of the mist steps an alien. And the first thing you notice is that she has ginormous boobs. Well, of course. <laughs> okay. Of course. Like, as all aliens do. Okay. And, Duh. and the you've got first. got your reptilians, you've got your greys. You've got your your uh, you know your your elfin looking white ones, and then you have the ones with the giant boobs. And then you got your yeah. hunks. You got your hunks you and your hunks. babes. Hunks and babes. And so and babes, this man. this Venetian this attractive Venetian alien telepathically says to the man, in perfect English, in perfect maybe English, with a slight in per- accent, in per- maybe with a slight sultry accent, she says yes. to him telepathically, "We're we're here to have sex with you because you're the best human on earth." And there's like a bunch of us, and let's do it. And then let's do, we're getting to it. So they bring him out to their ship. They bang him a whole bunch of times, and then they bring him back to Earth. And he wakes up, and his only evidence that this happened to all of his friends, who he's you know he went out and told immediately, uh-huh, uh-huh, is uh-huh. a is one of the aliens, one of the Venetians, tied their blonde hair around his his penis. Excellent. I'm not kidding, Marie. Where are you finding? Here's okay. So here's my. This question. is considered like one of the mo- one of the strongest abduction cases. That, no, it is not it is. considered. It is. No, it's like How a famous this? one. It, yeah, you know why it's famous? It's it's like Ask the, Rob. they were from Canada. <laughs> he had a he had the always having the Baywatch alien were, dream again. Yeah, they He's... were from Canada. <laughs> right. Uh. This is what you know. Here, so I here's what I'm just gonna throw out there, and I'm sure we have a lot of listeners that have some veracity around UFOs and alien alien abduction. If that is the best that we're gonna throw into our hat for our big powwow, our big tent stake of thank of Thanksgiving of Halloween, that's sad. That's just you know what? Like I could come up with something better Listen, than that. I promise it'll be scarier than. Um, then, then big alien boobed babes. aliens. Let's. Oh then my god! I promise. Okay, we're not setting the bar high. And cue intro <laughs> music. Welcome to the Mad Scientist Roundtable, episode twelve: The Secret of Thermodynamics and Stories. This episode, we're doing three really cool topics that I'm, I'm really excited about, actually. So the first topic is one that a listener has been asking us to do for a really long time. And she's a really um, she's a really great listener. Um, so this 
this topic is one that I think you're really going to enjoy, all of you, so hopefully you will. We're then going to be doing an episode on... An episode? God! We're then going to be doing a section on thermodynamics, which I really like, but I'm, like, the only person that likes it, so it's going to be rough. And then... It's like the only... It's the only person that understands it. The only... Yeah, maybe. And then you we're... Should, and, you should put it in the context of you will be trying to teach me something about thermodynamics. That's true. I'm going to be trying to give Marie a primer course on thermodynamics, and then, Marie, you are going to be giving me a primer course on Star Wars. Exactly. Amazing. Which makes a lot more sense. I don't know about that. We're going to see. So... Section one here, this question comes for us from Tanner Ashley Chow, who is um, one of our one of our uh, super dedicated listeners. So she actually sent in a like she actually sent in like a 30 minute uh, voice clip of her asking the question and explaining it to me because. Oh, wow. Yeah, because so. All right, Tanner. Yeah. Killing it, right? So, so she is a um, Tanner considers herself to be an empath, I believe. I don't want to kind of miss name what she considers okay. herself to be i guess but okay. basically so um it's actually really cool so i've actually had i've actually uh tanner like does um like card like tarot card readings and things like that and so i've actually had her do my cards Ooh. via the internet which is pretty cool well, i want to um, do that just like quick just tanner, like, tanner i want to do that just, just like quick reads right it's really cool but so what is, cool? so what is an empath so an, an empath, or based, how, how does she or, define herself? I guess, as I guess empath, maybe empath is like the wrong word. I guess it's more like, it's more like, like the ability to tell things about people and like what they're going to be and how they're going to be based mm-hmm. on just talking to them and getting a sense of them, I suppose. So it's, it's kind of like a, I don't know. I don't want to say like aura. Cause that kind of gives sort of a like new agey vibe to it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's more like mm-hmm. it's I guess it's more, you know, she I get I would say she considers herself to be, I think, kind of in tune with like if there is a if there is an invisible world out there, I would say she probably considers herself to be in tune with that. Um, m- huh. Maybe more than the average person just because she's kind of, you know, worked at it, I guess. You know what I mean? Interesting. So she's actually she's taken steps to sort of further develop. Yeah, I I think I think that is accurate. Yeah, I would say that's accurate. And so her question to us was, what do we think of the secret or rather the law of attraction? Because that's something that she believes positively in. Mm -hmm. And it's something Mm -hmm. it's kind of a it's it's sort of a it's sort of a hot topic right now and so we've we actually went back and forth so tanner knows i don't necessarily agree with everything she believes and she yeah i mean you know again like i think a really important part of this show is seeing that the other side in many of these cases has some reason or they're like these arguments aren't necessarily black and white and so there's a big part of them that you know there's gonna be some agreement on right Yes. Okay, yes. so so yes. the law of attraction stated simply is the idea that by thinking about something and kind of like attuning yourself to bringing that thing into your life, you can bring mm-hmm. it into your life, right? And so it's there's like a lot of kind of, I guess, there's a lot of um, kind of new agey ways to go about this sort of thing. So one is like the secret where you have a vision board. Right. So the secret is to give it some context for people who may not have not know what the secret 
was or is or it's a book, right? Yeah. It was a book written in fairly recently within the last 10 so, years. Yeah, I want to so, say like 2006. Um, the film the film came oh. out in 2006. That film was like all over Netflix for a while. And oh. the book, I guess actually the book, no, the book came out in 2006 as well. But the fi- the film was the first thing that came out, and the film is by Rhonda Byrne, um, who okay. also wrote the book. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, now here's the thing with okay. here's the thing with this. It's actually a much older belief than it just being in a movie would have you believe, right? So the secret is like a version of this idea of the law of attraction, and so the the basic idea of the law of attraction, and this is something that I think a lot of people believe without realizing that it is a new age kind of belief or rather a non a non-scientific belief I suppose is that by thinking positively or thinking negatively you can cause positive or negative things to happen to you right okay. so it's kind of that yes. idea of like okay if you're sick in the hospital you should think good thoughts because then you'll heal faster or whatever right okay yes now yes that's kind of the idea where the secret kind of gets into some dangerous territory, I would say, uh-huh. is when you start thinking that, like, you can will your way out of mental illness or will your way out of poverty or, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, the thing is that it's not about just improving your mental state and therefore having, like, a better view on things, right? Which there's a lot of it's evidence reciprocal. that that can work. Right. It's this idea yeah. of, like, if you believe, if you keep thinking every day that you're going to be a millionaire, eventually you'll be a millionaire. Right. Right. Okay. I remember this slightly from Oprah. Yes. Now, here's the thing. The, the secret, the version of the secret that... So um, you know that shit's legit. So... If Oprah... Liz Lemon! Okay, sorry. It's okay. So now, the thing is, the secret, that book in the film, is based mm-hmm. on the works of Esther Hicks and her husband, Jerry Hicks. They, yeah. now let me, I'm just going to read you the, this is the, this is the little thing from Wikipedia on them. I'm just going to read it quick mm-hmm. for you, because I think it does a good, I think it does a good thing of talking about what they believe without me putting any kind of spin on it, okay? So, Quote, according to Esther and Jerry Hicks, Abraham, and Abraham is um, who they claim is giving them their teachings, consists of a group of entities which are interpreted by Esther Hicks. Abraham have described themselves as a group consciousness from the non-physical dimension. They have also said, we are that which you are. You are the leading edge of that which we are. We are that which is the heart of all religions. Abraham has said through Esther that whenever one feels moments of great love, exhilaration, or pure joy... That is the energy source that is who Abraham is. Mm. So probably, okay. probably don't believe Abraham exists. Well, so, but it has, it has deeper roots, right? It was, yes. It's from like the 1770s with Mesmer. Kind yes. of came up with this idea of like Franz Mesmer, who was the thought for lack of better terms, the father of Mesmer, Mesmeriz, mesmerization. Yes. Is that even the right term? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's like this sort of, this thought, this like, uh, I would say it's it's especially prevalent back then is you have the agency and the will to affect change 
with your mind, surely within your mind into the physical world. Right. Right. And that I think is, is, is like, it's goes on. It, it kind of even surpasses the idea of prayer, which you are communicating with, you know, a uh, higher power for, uh, you know, just sort of spiritual balance or even beyond like karma, which is like, if I do something good, good will come in return versus if I do something bad, bad will go but in that's, return. But that's is, the same kind of, but it's the same kind of yeah. thinking, right? It is. It's sort of the same. It has this sort of binary aspect. Yeah. But it's sort of this much more, um, this much thinner, this much thinner slice. Like karma, you can kind of see played out in many different, kind of in many different um, cultures and religion. Prayer, you can see sort of played out the same way. But the idea of sort of what they, of, of, uh, the idea of mesmer and sort of what the secret is 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 uh, pinning their beliefs on is sort of a much it it didn't have as much um, it doesn't have as much spread right it didn't have as much where well as, as other as other concepts see so I so I would actually argue that the idea that so I actually had this conversation with with mm -hmm. Tanner when we talked about this originally mm -hmm. when I finally got around to listening she seriously mm -hmm. I mean she's been a, she's been such a such a patient person through all this. Like she sent it to me like at the beginning of the summer and I was like, yeah, no, I'll listen. I promise I'll listen. And then like things kept happening and kept, you know, whatever. And then, so I finally ended up listening and I was like, oh, we've definitely got to talk about this on the show. So the, what I would say is that the idea at the heart of this kind of thinking mm -hmm. is probably helpful for a lot of people in the same way that religion is helpful to a lot of people, right? Now, whether or not you want to mm -hmm. argue that religion is a good or bad thing, that's, you know, out of, out of the bounds of this show, I would say, right? Yes. But, but I will say that a big... So this idea that by just thinking good thoughts or being a good person, good things will happen to you, Mm -hmm. works out really well if you're a bad guy who's raking in all the money and all the stupid poor people are thinking they're going to get they're going to topple you by being good to you right like yeah. it works it works really well if you're like covered yeah. in gold chains and stuff and you're like no like you guys will inherit the earth i promise you know I'm what i mean covered in gold chains i know yeah. me too no, no full full rick ross over here right now but like you know what i mean it's it's like it, it sets i think i think the linking of it to material wealth mm -hmm. is a very um potentially destructive way of thinking and so i would you know like yeah that kind no, of it's, it starts you. to I'm put it start to put it starts to put the burden of um things that are out of someone's control on them because it's like well if you just thought if you were just thinking more positively you would never have been abused or you never, you know what I mean? Like right. you never would have been oh. mugged if you were just thinking positive thoughts. And so well, Tanner, think, Tanner yeah. explained to me that for her, it's a more, and this is not just about what, what Tanner believes, but I think it's, this is, it's a more subtle thing. Like what you were saying, where it's sort of more like, like we're commercializing this idea right now by saying, Oh, if you, if you have a, you know, the, I think again, it's always sunny. Always does everything we talk about on this damn show right. before we do. 
Um, probably because I've watched it a billion times. Charlie Day. Yeah. But oh, um, they have the episode on The Secret where Mac makes his vision board and he's like, I'm going to be banging Danica, Danica Patrick on a dune buggy in the desert, right? <laughs> and like on his, on his vision board is like a thing of Danica Patrick, a dune buggy in a desert, you know? And, he, and the, you know, and um, it doesn't, I, I think... We didn't just commercialize... No, 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 no. We didn't. We... Secrets commercialized. Yeah, no, 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 no. You don't get on Oprah without getting some commercialization. No, no, no. Like we're not. Yeah, that's. Money. I guess yeah. that's not. I guess what yeah. I'm saying is, I think that it it probably is helpful to some people. Like there is evidence mm-hmm. that um, patients with positive outlooks on their recovery will do right. better in some cases, but you can't out you can't out positive a terminal cancer diagnosis. You know what I mean? No. Like it, it'll no. it'll make your last days brighter, and it'll increase your your quality of life, and it's better to have a positive outlook on these things if you can. I mean, it takes a very strong person to have that view, but it's um, you know, I think it's a hard, yeah. I think it's a hard, I think it's, I think whenever we get to these instances where magical thoughts or kind of like non. Yeah causal chain kind of things are being used to say take away or give power to someone based on like what they're doing when it may not yeah. be their fault it's questionable you well, know i think it this the things that it sort of cues up in me is like i don't necessarily know if you can think that the universe like i don't know if the universe thinks that it owes you something right like if right. So if i put this out there I think that the idea of it, it's going to be attracted is almost giving a um, a personality or a nature to the universe. Right, it gives that may agency. Or may not, it gives it agency, which is sort of like, it's unfathomable, right? You should be putting it out there because you should want to have, you should just want to be that and not to think that, that it will attract other things. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think you know? that, I, and think... I think that's where I kind of get like, that's where I kind of get a little bit hung up and then too it's like well if you look at like again if you if if you do not think good or if you're naturally like uh, skeptical or pessimist or you know you get into these these again these real binary definitions of what is positivity and what is not positive or what is what is being cynical versus positive I think- and that's where it's like to me that those things are 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 problematic absolutely like is being pragmatic being positive right if you see a bad situation and you're like well this sucks but we can do this to alleviate it yes is that positive or is sitting in the negative situation and thinking everything's fine like you know what i mean what is what is positive thinking i think that's a really important point actually um i would say so one thing i would say though is so I, i at least in my own life i know that i tend to I tend to always believe that things work out. Things tend, you know, like things tend to tend to average out to be kind of even. You know what I mean? I, I also, right. I like also that think Seinfeld. I also, yeah, I also think like, I also think maybe this is because of having had such bad experiences, um, kind of early on that like, when things like now as an adult when something goes wrong I'm like, well, it could be worse. You know what I mean? Like things mm-hmm. even out. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I often wonder if just my ability to like cope with bad situations happening is, mm-hmm. is not 
making bad situations less bad, right? Like again, that pragmatic idea. So I, so in that sense, I think thinking positively and having a positive outlook or at least having, at least having the where, like at least having the, I don't know what the, like the, the space away from a problem to look at it in its full, Uh in its totality and say, this looks really bad right now, but it will get better. Right. Right. I think right. that I think that is very powerful. And I think um, and I think being able to look yeah. at that is a very important tool for people when they want to cope with like stressful or bad situations. Yeah. But but then again, if you can't if you physically can't do that because of your biochemistry or something, you know what I mean? That's that's yeah. that's cool. something you can't control. I would even like from where your where your headspace is at to one more like I think you you need to have negative or quote unquote bad experiences where you're going to like if you draw breath for any time on this earth you will have something bad happen to you it's just that's that's just how things are and I think it's like learning from that and seeing that that's seeing what that is and how that affects you gives you uh gives you the like you were saying gives you the ability to to have more perspective but then also to recognize um that there's not a permanence to it right Right. these things these things too shall pass it's the you know it's the wheel of fortune like you will be up and you will be down but it's always in motion and you kind of have to be able to manage between the two things right it's like to me it's like I feel like how you know we're we're all getting pretty deep here, people. But uh, it's like, it's like all of a sudden it's like a episode of NPR or something. But like what I believe is I I I tend to you know especially like later on and you know where I'm at in my life now I believe that I'm the one that's making the decision about 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 mm-hmm. bad happens or if something good happens. You do have to have a certain amount of like. Uh, perspective about it because right. you you are the person that's that's there's nothing else out there necessarily that is going to to give you any kind of external help or external governance or cause you harm or cause you joy those things are found within you right i think i think it's kind of i think the i think a good summation of it is like you can't choose the, the only thing you mm-hmm. can control is how you feel about how something happens. Well, like the only and thing... sometimes you can't even control that. Sometimes like, you can't control yeah. that, of course. Yeah, I mean, listen, I yeah. get... Listen. You know how many, listen, you know how many Xbox controllers have almost broken this week? Like, don't don't even get me started. <sighs> but, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, I, I, yeah. I think I get... that just recognizing, like, oh, my God, shit's all fucked up and it's outside of my circumstance. Right? right. I think that that's... Or it's really great, and I didn't do anything to... I didn't do anything to bring this into my life. I think that there's a certain amount of, like, being able to to just sort of recognize that that sure. to me is more is is of the value and not so much um kind of what I put out in any kind sure. of expectation. Sure. So what do you so what do you think? I mean, we're kind of we're kind of getting over time in this section here, but I think it's a good one. I mean, whatever. Yes, what do you Tanner. think? It's our it's our show. It's our show, Marie. We do what we It's do. our show. <laughs> what it's do you think? Show. What do you think about this idea though that hmm. I, I actually kind of Honestly, one of one of my favorite parts of the the whole thinking, I guess, at least or one of the things mm-hmm. I like about it is the idea that um, like there's this idea that uh, there's kind of this idea that called the grand unified paranormal theory. 
<laughs> and so Scott and Forrest always talk like toy about this on Astonishing Legends. Oh, right? Sorry, I'm just teasing, it's, yeah. it's okay. And um and I honestly really it's think that it's all connected. It's all connected, right? And I actually think that in many ways this idea of the law of attraction it it kind of brings that in as well where it says like, you know, all religions teach this same kind of principle where if you're a good person and you think good thoughts, then good things will happen to you or tend to happen to you. Right. Uh-huh. I, I kind uh-huh. of actually, that's actually one of the parts of it that I think is probably pretty accurate is the reading of the reading it's doing mm-hmm. of, of world religions over time where there's always been this idea, but, th- but, but at the same time, that's only been true. Um, that hasn't really been true of modern religion necessarily. <laughs> Right, Sorry. like think no, like no. like think about um, Calvinist doctrine, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even like the Puritans, where they believed that there was only a certain number of people going to heaven, and if you weren't one of those people, there was right. nothing you could do to stop it. But like all you could do was try to be good enough that God wouldn't punish you that hard in hell, right? Like that, like it's. Like, I mean, seriously, Stiff upper lip. Yes. Yeah, like the yeah. best you could do is try to not be a bad person and hope that God would show mercy, right? I hope that, you know, that eternal flaying in the pit of hells isn't all that right. bad. Maybe, maybe instead of the eternal flaying, you'd get stuck on the machine where you're force-fed donuts or something, right? Like, maybe that's okay. Exactly. Uh, like, you know, so I, I actually do think that part of it's pretty accurate, and it's also part of a... The thing with this idea, too, is it's actually part of a very long history as well of alchemical thought and... Uh, mystical thought generally where it's part of this idea of things have intrinsic properties and by altering the Mm -hmm. intrinsic properties you can get physical things to happen right it's kind of this this, we today have a we like to think that we've disassociated the mind from the body in such a way that we don't think like if you think a bad thought it it will cause a bad thing to happen to you but we kind of do say that if you have a bad thought you're a bad person Right. Oh, like, if, yeah. right. I mean, we totally have that still in our society. So I think to say that the, you know, to scoff at this idea of the law of attraction is kind of it's kind of um, a misreading of our society. Right. Because well, it's, yeah. it's it's prevalent in all religions and it's pretty well, prevalent it's, in our society today. I think that it's the story of that of that exact thing has been told time and time again it is yeah. the, it is the foundation of pretty much any story like the good versus what is not good and i think culturally you can have different interpretations of that politically you can skew that to to mean whatever you know you think it should mean but there's always sort of that that dichotomy and sort of what the individual where the individual is making their choice between the two yeah and i think that that's like that to me it's like if it is how I look at it, to your point, it's like it's prevalent, and it's prevalent pretty much in any kind of permutation you put out there. It's it's in every story. It's it's the basis of a lot of of the majority of religions. So yeah, I think I think that there's definitely something to it. Um, you know, I I think I think the thing too is it's like I look at it, I'm like, man, eh, it doesn't hurt. You know, it does that does not hurt. If that is like if that is where your headspace is at, and you're like, you know what, this is how I approach things, fire up. Right. Good up on you, man. I can't, I have no fault with that. Like, that's just, you know, that's not, not necessarily how I see it, but you know what? Even, even more, even better for you. Absolutely. Well, Tanner, thank you so much for the awesome question. 
And I, I totally hope, want my tarot cards read, Tanner. I, I hope that was at least... I totally do! I hope put that it was, out there, Tanner! I hope that was at least a semi-fulfilling yeah. answer. Send more questions. This, this was a great question. Really good one. This was good. This was and if you good. have any questions, send them to us, please, listeners. That would be really good. All right, guys, section two, time to teach Marie thermodynamics. Yay! Okay. Hold on. I'm just going to take a little sip of, uh, of some alcohol here. All right. Thermodynamics. <laughs> take a big Thermodynamics. Woo! Mm. Okay. Oh, so. my God. All right. Thermodynamics. I feel like I'm in high school again. No, Marie's going to be so much fun. Oh, God. It's going to be so much fun. Mr. Bender caught me trying to skip homeroom <laughs> and dragged me back in. And he's like, you're learning about oh, thermodynamics, no. Missy. And I'm like, no. Okay, it'll be fun. listen to the cure. Okay, wait, go I, ahead, sorry. I promise it'll be fun. Maybe. I'm the cure is good, Marie. The cure is I, really good. That's why I wanted to listen to them instead of oh, learning about so uh, whatever the... I can't even remember back that far. Okay, keep yeah, going. I'm for sorry. Me, for me, it was Streetlight Manifesto. That was what we listened to back in my day. Wow. That was the, oh, hip, oh. the hip band. That all the kids knew. Nah, none that none of the kids knew. Anyways, so okay, thermodynamics. Thermodynamics is the it's a it's the study of the movement of energy and heat. That's what thermo thermo heat dynamics okay. like movement, right? The interchange. Got it. Take so, your notes. Hold cool. on. Cool. Okay. Okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're actually taking notes. Wow. Yeah, I'm actually t- what the hell? You're going to try and teach me something. Like when okay. you go into Star Wars, you better effing uh, sit I got down. A, I, got I got a, a whiteboard behind me. I got oh, a notepad ready. Okay. okay. So thermodynamics, for those that don't know, is the study of, like I said, heat and work specifically mm-hmm. and how these two things interact with each other in the physical world to make things like engines and air conditioners work. Okay. Now, the basic principle that makes thermodynamics work is known as the conservation of energy. So energy cannot be created or destroyed in the universe. And what that means is if you have a system, doesn't matter what kind of system it is, if you put some energy in, eventually that energy has to come out of it somehow. Okay? Ah, could be in a different form, right? It could be in a different form, but it has to come out somehow. Okay. So what that means is if you have a if you have a box and you push the box up a hill with 50 joules of energy to move it up the hill, right? Mhm. That box at the end of that movement will have gained 50 joules of energy, but that energy had to be converted into some other form. Okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so the energy of something being high up is what we call potential energy. Right, because it has the potential okay. to release that energy very quickly by falling from that height. Right? Okay. I'm okay. with you. I'm with you. Cool. So, the basic law of thermodynamics, the first law of thermodynamics, is that the total change in energy in a system is equal to the change in the heat flow plus the change in the workflow that's occurring in the system. Okay. 
So the way we write that is we write it as delta u, which you may not know what a delta is, but it's a little it's a little triangle guy. Mm -hmm. So it's tri it looks like triangle u is equal to del uh, triangle q plus triangle w, and delta means change. So um, you'd write delta q is equal to the heat at time one minus the heat at time two. Oh, man. Okay. okay. I'm, just, I'm still you with you. I'm okay. still like thinking about pushing stuff up hills. Keep going. Okay. All right. So what does that mean? That means that basically what this means is that in any process where no energy is accumulating. So in other words, we're not like we're not building up energy inside the system. We're just letting the system go for a long enough time that mm -hmm. it all enters and exits over time. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's called mm -hmm. steady state. Ah, okay. In any system at steady state, so again, long periods of time, the amount of heat you enter into a system has to be equal to the amount of work that you get out of it. So a centrifuge has to be brought up to like steady state. Yes. Okay. So like all of these, so all all processes that happen like in okay. chemistry and physics and whatever, uh -huh. those all are assumed to occur at steady state when you first do the analysis. Okay. Cause it's, cause that's the, that's the point where energy isn't being added to the system, um, with like changes in time. It's just the time right. when things kind of get added and subtracted easily. Okay. okay? It's almost like it plateaus and kind of like, yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Exactly. They become steady. They become steady, constant values that you can just add and subtract from another, from yeah. one another. So what does this mean for something like an engine? What this means is that if you, if you have an engine that is doing 50 joules. So joule is the unit of energy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you have an engine that's doing 50 joules of work, you had to put into that system 50 joules of energy somehow. Okay. Does that make sense? It does. Yes. Okay. Now in an engine, what, how, how in your car engine, what are you doing to add the energy in? You're adding gas. You're adding gas. And so it's a chemical reaction that's yes. adding the energy, right? It's the combustion. It's the, com it's the heat. It's the heat yes. of the reaction. Holy smokes. Marie, okay. we're teaching. I'm getting we're it. Thermo. What? We're fucking learning thermo. I'm excited. Okay. <laughs> so mm -hmm. now that's, that's really interesting. So the, the best way to describe this for like, um, the best way to describe this for a, for a, like a whatever, just thinking about it in your head mm -hmm. is thinking about an engine, right? Yes. Okay. So when you, when that reaction happens in the compart, like when the engines are just pistons and cylinders, mm -hmm. right? So a cylinder is like just a metal cylinder that has an open, um, like an open spot inside of it. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's like an, it's like a cup basically. And a piston is like a, it's a, it's a, a vacuum tight um, arm that goes into and out of the cylinder to change the volume of the open space in the cylinder. Okay. 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 Uh -huh. So the way an engine works is that piston is moved down okay. by moving down. It actually compresses the gasoline that's inside the cylinder. The compression causes the gasoline to ignite with a spark. That's why you need a spark plug. Yes. The spark causes it to explode, 
<laughs> the explosion of the gasoline, it makes the piston move back up. And okay. making the pit, making the piston move back up, that's actually doing work. Right? Because your move, work uh -huh. is just... Basically, what you can think of work is, is work is the energy it takes to move some, some object, some mass, a certain distance. Yes. So every time you're moving you. that, every time you're moving that piston, you're making work. You're, yes. you're rather, you're converting that heat energy into work. Okay. okay. Yes. And then what an engine does is it actually takes that work with the piston moving mm -hmm. and it converts it to electricity by using a magnet. That's a little, that's too out of the realm of what we're talking about right now. Ooh, we're doing good but that's, about the magnet. But that's, that's cool. Keep, okay, keep, going, that's, keep going. That's, that's seriously how uh -huh. every single engine works. So think about, think about a windmill, uh -huh. right? Uh-huh. Okay. What a windmill is doing. Okay, let's let, let's imagine a maybe a water wheel is a better example to think about, right? Okay. Okay, a water wheel can be attached to like um Imagine you had a water wheel that was attached to a a like a like a, a giant wheel that was grinding flour. Right? That's what they used to mm -hmm. use them for. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. It it takes a certain amount of energy to move that giant wheel around the circle thing that where they grind the flour, right? Yes. So what they're doing in that case is they're actually converting the speed, the momentum energy of the fluid, the water. Mm -hmm. They're converting that into work by making the water push the water wheel forward. I'm with you. And so you have to have a, you have to have more of the speed of water to get up to the, to get up to create work. So the momentum. Ah, aha, Marie. What? You just brought up a very important point. What? Okay. I didn't mean to. You, so you did. What? what a great time. So, oh my God. I wish I would have so paid we, attention more back in high school now. <laughs> so Sorry. we just, so you just uh -huh. said mm -hmm. that it takes a certain amount of energy to basically like to get that wheel going. Yes. Right? Okay. Yes. It doesn't just suddenly go. You have to bring it up to speed. It doesn't suddenly go. You have to bring it up to speed. In a perfect system, mm -hmm. you wouldn't need to get it up to speed. All of that work could be, all of that energy could be converted into work. Okay. So it goes from not working to working. Yeah, just straight away. Okay. Okay. Uh -huh. But that is what is known as a reversible system. Oh, Jesus. I got to turn the page. <laughs> I need, I need a new page. Okay, reversible system. Okay, I'm still with you. The reason it's called reversible is because you can go from... Basically, like, if, if you had a, rever a perfectly reversible system... Let's take that example of the water wheel uh -huh. again. Uh-huh. If you had a perfectly reversible system, then by... By pushing that wheel around the circle thing the other way, mm -hmm. you could make the water wheel push all the water back up. Oh, is there any such, is there any real example of a reversible system? No, there is not. Mm, so it's not a, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, it's a hypothetical. It's an abstraction. Okay. An abstraction. Now that difference uh -huh. between the amount of work you can get out of a real system and the work you can get out of a reversible ideal system, uh -huh. that is, the, that is what we call entropy. Oh, Okay. Okay. Yep. Now that's that's the view of entropy from a mechanical point of view. There's also a chemical view of entropy that's a little bit more interesting, 
but mm-hmm. somehow they come together. <laughs> Eventually they come together and it's a really interesting thing. There's a really interesting uh, reason that they come together, but it's really, really complicated. So, so there's an excellent chance that we're not using this right, you know, in, in business speak, <laughs> right? So the next time Sweet. I use so, entropy in my, in my, uh, in my PowerPoint, I'm probably doing it wrong. Huh. Maybe. I'm so bastardizing the, the hell out of it. Here's yeah, the thing. Mm-hmm. Entropy, you can mm-hmm. think of entropy as things that waste work. <laughs> That's me okay? at work. Okay. <laughs> so we're derp, all entropy, Marie. Derp. We're all entropy. YouTube entropy. That. So ima- imagine, uh-huh. imagine that piston and cylinder again, right? Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. If that piston and cylinder is perfect, then there's no friction between the wall of the piston and the wall of the cylinder. Right. Right? It just moves mm-hmm. up and down perfectly mm-hmm. smoothly. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. in a real system, it's it's going to lose some of that energy as heat, right? Right. Because it has to, yes. As friction heat. Yes. Okay. So that that would be an example of an, a non-ideality or something that makes this system uh, not reversible. Irreversible is what we would call it. Hmm. Okay. An irreversible system is similar to a steady state. Steady state is what it would be when it's up and running. So, so, so a a reversible system is the, so steady state means that the thing is, is running Mm -hmm. and basically it's like, if you leave it, that's how it's going to stay forever. Okay. 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 Reversible means that you can get as much work out as you put in by just changing the direction of the work. Yes. And which is, which is the abstraction. Which is the abstraction that's not possible. Dig it. So another way of saying that is that in a real system, mm-hmm. you can never get out as much work as you put in. <laughs> Tell me about it. So okay. there's always there's always inefficiencies. That's why engines aren't 100% efficient. In fact, engines are capped at something like 33 to 36% efficiency. That's the most efficient an engine can ever be using our current um, methods of, of, of making engines. Dig it. Okay. Now okay. this means this means there's some really interesting things though that can happen, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So for instance, we talked about a we talked about how a engine a engine um it it causes combustion and that combustion makes work happen. Yes. Right? On the other hand, you can go the opposite way mm-hmm. and you can actually compress gas and make it colder. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's how a fridge works. Oh. Now okay. fridges, okay. fridges are super inefficient though because you're going the opposite way. Ah, oh. right? and I'm always leaving the door open. And you're always leaving the door open. It takes a lot <laughs> more energy. It takes a lot more. It t- so it's really really easy to turn work into heat. Mm-hmm. That's super easy, right? Like you can right. rub your hands together and make them hot. You're actually you're wasting work by converting it to heat. Oh, right? okay. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But the other way, using heat to get work or using heat to cool a room is really inefficient. It's, it's really hard. It's much harder. So, yeah. Total off the wall question. Go what ahead. What does what does the the uh held on super collider use like what kind of energy is that do you enjoy science spooky stories and all things paranormal we do too 
While we would love for most paranormal stories to be true, we are here to tell you that they probably aren't. But that doesn't make them any less fun to speculate about. We are the Spooky Science Sisters podcast. In this podcast, we bring you bi-weekly discussions on possible scientific explanations behind the supernatural. Backed up by research articles and other credible sources, we do deep dives into things like archaeology and physics and share in-depth discussions with topic experts. Visit us at SpookyScienceSisters.com to listen to a couple of skeptics debunk some of your favorite alien encounters, cryptid sightings, and ghost stories with science, sass, and a significant amount of laughter. Thank you, and stay spooky. Okay, so so there's a bunch. So remember how I said that there's the internal energy change has to be equal to zero? Mm -hmm. The total energy change of the system has to be equal to zero? Mm -hmm. And that'll be equal to the heat change plus the work change? Mm -hmm. That's actually a vast oversimplification. There's loads of other types of energy. You mean right? you just dumb this all down for me? No, no, no. That, that's listen. This is how this is how we teach it in graduate level thermodynamics. You guys are getting. Ooh. If you guys have followed up to this point, you're like you're like halfway to a PhD in chemistry. You like, are halfway. In fact, Killing we might it. just we might just have to put together. A <laughs> you might certificate. just start giving it away. Yeah, you might just start no, giving have them to, away. You should do, you should do uh, certificates. <laughs> I want one for this. Okay, keep going. You, you deserve one. Oh my goodness. So, the. So other types of energy, like I said, potential uh -huh. energy, right? Uh-huh. Another type of energy is kinetic energy. Did so kinetic, kinetic energy is the energy that you get by, being, by going fast. It's speed uh, energy. Okay. So actually, in the case of the water wheel, you're converting the kinetic energy of the water into work. Okay. 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 Um, potential energy is like... So, okay, imagine you have a, like, you're holding on a ball up 10 meters in the air because mm -hmm. you're, like, monstrously tall. You're right? Yes. <laughs> you're yeah. super duper yeah. tall. Uh -huh. um, so if you drop that, if you drop that, so when the ball is just in your hand, uh -huh. it, by, by it being that high up, it has potential energy because it's being attracted to the, to the earth by gravity. Okay. Okay. So you. once you That's once potential. you let it okay. once you let it go, mm -hmm. it'll start to speed up, and what's actually happening then is the potential energy that it had at its at its rest at the top of the like where you're holding it. Mm -hmm. That's actually being converted into kinetic energy as it starts to move. Ah, okay. And so at the top of the of the at the top of the hill, like where you're holding it, it has all of its energy is potential, but it has no kinetic energy. And at the bottom, all of it's kinetic, but none of it is potential energy. Ah, uh, so I will not be able to harness that into... No, and so, okay. no. And so potential energy, uh, potential energy is actually like the energy of things attracting, kind of like the law of attraction, right? Ah, so, okay. Um, so it's like, like if you have a positive charge and a negative charge, mm -hmm. there is potential energy between those two things. That's what we call a voltage. All right, I'm with you. I'm with you. So, so all of these different things have these energies between them, and so so long as we're converting our energy into other forms, it can be usable. And so that's we're getting back now to this idea of you can now convert work into electrical energy by using a magnet. Oh God. Okay. okay. So here's the reason, magnet. kind of the reason why you can do that. Magnet. Okay. If you have so a magnet is just. It's it's basically attracting the electrons in an atom. 
Alright. Okay. Yeah. Or in, in a in a molecule. Uh-huh. So with a magnet, what you can do by spinning a magnet around a uh, like a basically by moving a magnet in a magnetic field, you can cause another magnet to start to see electrons flowing through it. So like, let me. I was doing okay. so good. I was doing okay, so okay, okay, okay. Let me let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. That magnet is involved somehow. Magic. <laughs> magnet plus spin equals electricity? Question mark. <laughs> um, I'm I'm like explaining this really badly. So, oh, dude, you're not. This is actually you are actually very coherent and very very good at this. I okay. Just... Um, imagine. Okay, if you have a. Imagine you have a like a wire, uh-huh. right? The wire is attracted to the magnet, right? Yes. So there is a certain arrangement of wires around other wires and stuff that you can make where if you spin a magnet around that wire, mm-hmm. it'll cause the wire to start oh. to have a charge. Okay, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. Okay. I'm with you. That, okay. so... That like the 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 chem like the molecular reason why that's happening isn't really important, because we didn't even know how the hell that was happening until way after we discovered this. Uh-huh. But what's important is that if you then attach that to something else, you can cause a current to flow and you'll get electricity. Uh, okay, I'm with you. I'm with so, you. So, the way that like electrical power stations work, or even um the way that like let's say a wind turbine, right? Mm-hmm. What's happening is the wind turbine. So the winds, what what energy does oh, the wind it's have? Spinning it. So it's it's making the it's making whatever the it's making the magnet spin. Yes. So the wind the wind has kinetic energy. Mm-hmm. That kinetic energy is being converted into work by making the windmill spin. Mm-hmm. That work is then moving a magnet that's attached to the inside of it somewhere. To spin it around a, 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 you know, a current generator, basically, like a, a piece of wire. And the current is then either being sent directly to the energy grid or it's being stored in a battery. Oh, okay. Now, now here's how batteries work, Marie. Oh, God. Oh, God. All right. I'm okay. No, no. This is super e- This Batteries are actually pretty easy comparatively. The way a battery works is it converts electrical energy into chemical energy. So, basically, in a in a battery, we have these special kinds of reactions that will either, by letting them happen in the forward direction, so you make, you know, so reactions can either go forward or backwards. You can kind of think of it as, like, um, water, I don't know, like water plus salt equals salt water. Mm-hmm. Or you can go the other way, where salt water can decompose into salt and water, right? Okay, yes. If the reaction's going forward what'll happen is it'll actually release electrons. So it'll actually create a charge, an electrical charge. Ah, okay, okay. That's when a battery is discharging. That's when you're using it. Hmm. But if you go the other way, you can actually cause it to take in electrons that it'll store. Okay. And the way it does that is it, it reverses the reaction to go back to that initial state where it can now react further forward to release electrons. Does that make sense? Yes. Somewhat. Yes. Okay. So basically like you can think of it as if you have a reaction that goes A plus B will convert into C plus electrons. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You can you can now go the other way, which is if you add electrons to C, mm-hmm. you can make A plus B. Plus B. Oh, Perfect. Okay, okay, okay. I'm so with this is literally how the entire modern world is built. So I could take apart a car now. You could, you could, in I theory... Can't. I you could in theory, you could in theory, you could in theory figure out how to like if you were on a desert island right now with that much knowledge you have, you <laughs> could in theory build a, an engine, like in not th- a good one, but an th- engine. In theory, sort of being the biggest, the biggest uh, yeah. disclaimer there. Yes. No, I think that that actually made, some relatively good sense. So, okay. It, so, wait, wait, wait. Let's test you now. This is a oh test, God. Marie. All right. Oh, Jesus. All right. Okay, we're going to test you quick. Okay. <gasps> okay. Marie. <gasps> yes. Okay. Yes, Dr. Cogswell. All right. I have... So, one thing we didn't talk about... Oh, well, you can't quiz me on something we didn't no, talk about. No, that's the way it happens in college, Marie. You know this. <gasps> okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, keep okay. going. We can use the same principles that happen everywhere else that we've talked about so far mm-hmm. to create really big chemical plants. Mm-hmm. And specifically, really big plants where we're creating energy, right? Yes. So in a coal plant, we burn coal uh-huh. and we then do something to water to make energy. Hmm? What do you think we do to spinning wow. magnets? Wait, what? Okay, we no. have to we have to spin something. <laughs> Gotta spin some magnets. How are we gonna spin something with water? I uh, like a water wheel. A water wheel is one way, but how oh would? My God. We're burning coal, right? Yes. So how Combustion. would burning coal make the water faster? Oh, it'd be steam. You'd turn it into Aha! steam. Marie, what? you're a genius. You turn what? it into steam. I turned it into steam. Exactly. You turned it, I swear Boom. we did not practice this beforehand. God, no. Marie, I'm like <laughs> super, I'm super impressed right now. We turned Amazing. it into steam. So Science, in all, bitches. So in all power plants, uh-huh. we're basically doing something to convert water into steam. And then uh-huh. we're using, we're making the steam like the hotter you make steam, the more pressurized it becomes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so Dig then it. that high, that high pressure translates to really fast steam and so you can make it um you can make it super energy basically steam is a really good place to store energy in the form of like heat you heat up steam it becomes really really fast really really high pressure and so then when you release it it goes really quickly and it can be used to either turn a wheel or you know uh, turbines or whatever Mm, okay. Okay. So in a new, so in a in a nuclear power plant, yes. we basically do like nuclear power plant sounds really complicated. Uh-huh. It's literally the same thing as a coal power plant, except you instead of burning coal to make heat, you're letting a nuclear reaction produce heat. Sweet. That's the only difference. That's the only difference. Seriously, that is literally the only <laughs> difference. All the other parts are the same damn thing. Okay. All, All right. right. All right. All right. All awesome. Right. Well, I listen. I is think that it? Really that well. was the test. That's it. That's what? it. You fast with flying colors. Sweet. Kill All it. Right. And now I'm I, nervous for my test. I feel so much smarter.
so thermodynamics was just a cakewalk. <laughs> you see, for, for all of our listeners, I will post on Twitter the notes, a picture of the notes I took. Oh, I so good. Take. I did take notes, and uh, if anyone can actually decipher the notes, then uh, I'll do a special doodle for you. Nice! I'll sing, a, I'll sing a song for you people if you can make sense out of this shit. Oh, um, anyways, so we, like, uh, first of all, Dr. Cogswell, eminent authority in all things science. Authority. All things, many things science fiction. He's got a big brain. Look at the big brain on Cogs over here, oh, right? Oh, my goodness. Smart guy. However, I, when I asked him, I'm like, okay, so if you're going to quiz me about, you know, thermodynamics, then what, you know, what do I get to quiz you on? And, like, what's the one thing that you don't know very much about? And what did you tell me, Chris? Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> so, when, so, but let's, let's get a little context around this. So when you say you don't know very much about Star Wars, do you not, is it that you feel like you don't get the premise? Does it feel like you don't appreciate kind of where it's coming from okay. you're more of a so you're more of a a star trek or even a a a, a lord of the rings type of type of guy so okay type so of a i would say i would say mm-hmm. i am i have always been more of mm-hmm. a so first off i think i have seen the original star wars movies mm-hmm. maybe now i watch i rewatch the first one ever uh-huh. So maybe I've seen them a total of two times in my <laughs> life. Yeah, I've only ever seen them two times. So I like, and I've played all the video games. So oh well, there we go. So played, I have you played the, Battlefront a few times. Oh, nice. the games are really good. Like, so the thing is, I have a, I have a pretty good idea about the game, like the story, I guess. But I don't know. Like, I guess I yeah. Like I've I've always been more of a. Like, I think, like, a lot of people say they're, like, Lord of the Rings nerds or, like, Star Wars nerds or whatever. Mm-hmm. I've always been kind of, like, an occult nerd, I guess. Like, my favorite okay. superhero is John Constantine. Like, oh, I, like I've like i always been more you. into, like, the, I don't know, like, the magic, spooky horror kind of stuff, I guess. So, Star Wars, okay. I don't know. I think part of, I think part of the problem with Star Wars for me is... Like, the special effects are, looked really good for the time. I can tell that, right? But <laughs> they don't look very good for today. And, like, and I mean, listen, this is coming from someone who's, like, my favorite TV show is The Prisoner. Like, the original <gasps> one from the 60s, which... Oh, my God, mine too. It's so good, right? Oh, my God. Great. We're always You funny. are number six. No, I'm not a number. I'm a free man. Man. Oh, my God. So... People, uh, we might we might just have to we might just have to oh there is so much that. to do on the prisoner oh my goodness but so you know and that's like that show had those stupid giant yoga balls attack people right like Dude, this is you know rover rover, rover. was scary but you know rover so special effects scary. special effects isn't like a huge yeah. thing for me i guess yeah. but yeah. i don't know i like yeah i guess i just don't i don't know i don't get it like I don't know why mm-hmm. like people love it so much and I feel so left out because I don't Aww. really love it. Well let's see let's see if we can bring some of that magic and that love. Alright, let's things. see. Let's right, see. Right. First of all, shout out on both Constantine, which is awesome. And I do so feel bad good. that they that they canceled that. I like I do think the show the, was the so good. Was good. I thought it had a lot of potential. I feel the same way, like I'm loving Preacher. 
Yeah. Did you watch Preacher's? Yeah, Preacher's yeah, Preacher's so, so good. So good, too. What I, what I don't, so one thing I wish, so I really like that they're using Neil Gaiman's properties for, like, a lot of things, like, yes. you know, American Gods or whatever. Oh, American Gods, yeah. But, yeah. but have you ever read the Books of Magic? From him and yeah. uh, Terry whatever, right? Yeah. They are, yeah. They are yeah. one of the best comic book series yeah. of all time yeah. that... Like, a lot of my friends that are into comics have never Mm -hmm. read. And, like, Sandman is good. I think Books of Magic is better. Like, if... I'm going to agree with you. I think they have to to make Books of Magic a Netflix series or something. Please, Neil Gaiman, if you're listening to this show... Come on, man. Come on. Books of Magic has to be a TV show. That was really, really good. So good. And I love... um, Okay, so anyways, and The Prisoner is probably one of my absolute favorite, favorite, favorite shows. Just because, just because, I mean, we'll have to get into it one of these. Uh, well, we're going to have to dedicate, now that I know this, we're going to have to dedicate an entire triptych of uh, episodes to discussing just his blazer oh. choices and the scarves. <laughs> the scarves! Uh, Powerful scarf choices. Shit. Okay, so anyways, let's talk about some Star Wars. So, so... When I think of Star Wars, and first let me let me back up by saying I am in no way a expert on Star Wars. If you guys look at podcasts, if you go into any kind of a pop podcast hosting uh, program and just put in Star Wars, you're going to find at least a dozen really, really good podcasts with people that know a shitload about this down to very minute detail. I am not one of those people. I like to think of myself as more just a freelance love fest for Star Wars and all things Star Wars. But um, so if I look at kind of, to your point, when it came out and now that it even looks dated, if you, if you think about, well, 1970, I want to say 1977, the first Star Wars came out. And if you look at cinema, sort of in general, what was happening cinematically at that time, it was a lot of really dark cinema. Like if a taxi driver, I think is a pretty good example of like this really gritty, realistic, uh, almost kind of nihilistic uh, 70s feeling cinema. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would say like shortly after that, the first, and there wasn't really the big summer movie yet either right so it's sort of more cinema it's more film it's much more um plot art heavy uh you know and a lot of a lot of depressing stuff that came out in the 70s as well but then jaws came along and sort of changed all of that and really kind of opened up like the idea of you know that uh that cinema was going to be bigger and was going to be like more of an event and then when star wars came out it really broke with anything that was happening in the 70s at that time. One, it was clearly a, a callback to uh, the serials where you, that uh, George Lucas had been seeing when he was a kid, which would be like these three minute or four minute, four minute, well not that long, but like 10 minute sort of episodes with cliffhangers, right? And there was very, it was very formulaic and it was very, um, very prescribed but was also really exciting and very energetic. So all of a sudden, that I think was one of the biggest things about Star Wars that was, that was at the time very different. It was this cultural break with what was happening in the world around it. And two, 
science fiction was not in America a hugely popular draw for the box office. So like the Western, Westerns were gone, sci-fi gone, and it was again much more of this gritty realism and all mm. of a sudden bringing it back this whole idea of this the special effects, the these unknown worlds. But at the base of it is this story that's very like we were talking about like very binary. The story is good versus evil. And the journey of one man or one boy, Luke Skywalker, through this process of self-discovery uh, and sort of trying to figure out who he is as the hero's journey. So it's this, this really sort of timeless storytelling mm-hmm. that is almost reinvented in cinema in the 70s. So I guess... I guess I never really looked at it in, at the lens of. So it's it's funny mm-hmm. that kind of analysis of a movie. I always like I always maybe this is snobbery on my part. Oh. I, like it's definitely snobbery on my part. Snobbery. I, like mm-hmm. I, I put that on the movies that I think of. Like I don't think in. Not to say that like Star Wars is equivalent to like like I don't think in I don't think in twenty years. People are going to be on, like, a space podcast talking about, like, the Dark Knight as, like, a metaphor for our times. Even though those movies are are amazing, I think of, like, you know, I don't necessarily think of Star Wars or um, those kind of movies on the same level, I guess, as, like, a... I don't know. And I think it is just kind of snobbery, like, oh, it's not artistic or whatever. But I think it's actually really interesting, the point you make about... Like, the 70s were, were like, just, were, like, just suffered through Vietnam, right? Mm-hmm. We're still, like, we're still dealing with the aftermath. We might even, like, you know, we still have Watergate. people. Watergate. Yeah, Watergate. Like, things are not, things are not black and white right now at that point mm-hmm. in time in America. And to have a, a, sh- a movie that had that kind of easy moral morality um, was probably, I think, probably a nice retreat for people at the mm-hmm. time, for sure. But I guess... And it definitely, it definitely harkens back see, to, like, but so the that, 60s. But that makes me wonder, though, like, why do people still like... Like, not why do people still like it. Like, if I show my friends The Prisoner, they're like, what the hell are we watching? Like, why are we watching this? You know what I mean? That's because you have to be on acid. No, you don't. You know what? Dear listener, you do not have to be on acid. No, watch The Prisoner. It's amazing. Watch The Prisoner. And it's so, I think, uh, okay, whatever. We're supposed to be talking about Star Wars, Marie. But, like, you know, I guess that's... uh, Why is it so relevant today? Today, like, why is it still... Because I think, one, I think it's, if I look at sort of art and, like, what you consider, quote-unquote, popular culture art... I think that Star Wars is probably one of the top three uh, big moments of 20th and 21st century. It redefined so much going forward in that it was able to, not only did it break sort of with the 70s cynicism, but what it did is it took what is intrinsically the simplest story that we all really have a innate emotional attachment to and identify with and it and it 
walked us through it walked us through sort of all the iterations of that of that story. So basically, if you haven't seen Star Wars, or if you've maybe only seen it quote unquote once or twice, <laughs> it is the story of of Luke Skywalker, who is basically, you know, a farm boy living on Tatooine, helping his aunt, helping his uncle, doesn't have any huge grand ambitions, and is sort of thrust into this into this adventure, into this narrative that's much bigger than him, that he is called upon to, to, to be heroic or to rise to something that he doesn't know if he has within him. And he is aided by several different characters. Uh, one, he's aided by a mentor figure or several different mentor figures. He has um, allies that he travels with. He has you know, potential, like the familiar bonds. Um, but then also what he's ultimately having to rise to is, is like, is the grand idea of corruption and evil. So for as good as he is and as noble as his intent is, he now must face what is possibly his undoing or his, his opposite that actually turns out to be his to be him, right? It's his father. Mm, mm -hmm. Spoiler alert, it's his father. But it's, it's again, it's, it's, it is the Campbell story. So the Campbell, Joseph Campbell came up with, like, any real story has very certain archetypes within it. It follows a narrative. And that narrative is resolute within all of us, and that's why we identify it. That's why we keep telling it, you know, generation after generation. One... Someone is, uh, you know, someone is ripped from from what they are comfortable and familiar with. They're, they ch they eventually have to choose a path that they're not certain of, and they they must exceed their own expectations and face something that is uh, it, that that is so horrific but turns out to be a reflection of themselves. Yeah, I mean, and that's right? actually that's actually one part of it that I kind of find to be, again, maybe like. I'm looking at it from the wrong perspective, I guess. I don't know, but like, like, you know, it's all, it's always, it's always a, like, it's always a young dude. <laughs> it's always a young guy. They're always from like, they're always from like a boring place. They're always, yes. they're always, they always mm -hmm. meet a grizzled old man. Right? Who's like always, I knew right? I knew your parents and well, they were mysterious but strong right. and you can be like them and whatever. And first he's like first he's like no I can't do this I am comfortable where I am yeah and, and then that is torn asunder right yeah and then they always and he realizes he can't yes and there's always like you know yeah I mean I don't know I guess like because it's not the first one maybe that's a big part of it I think is that because it's like the first one of those stories I fell in love with was Harry Potter you know what I mean. And which so, very similar. Which I is, mean, I mean, they're all just, very similar. Like, yes. <laughs> they're all, mean, like, yeah. They're similar. They're similar for a reason. Like, really, like one of like Campbell accolades in humanities would would argue that there is only one story. There's only one story that you tell. You tell it again and again and again. It may have different skins. It may have different permutations, but that is the only. That's the one story. See, but so I that, that's the journey. See, but I don't. I don't and know if that's necessarily. That's why it resonates. I don't know if that's. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that idea, though. That there is only one story. Like, I think, I think some of my favorite 
Mm-hmm. Some of my some of the most interesting characters I've I've read about or learned about in movies or TV or whatever are the ones that I end up mm-hmm. hating. Right? Some of some of the most interesting right. ones for me are the ones that are the darker, that are anti-hero. Not, well, not even right? anti not even anti-heroes though that that are um that are they're they're not anti-heroes, they're horrific villains. You know what I mean? They're like the villains. I, but, I I I guess I don't really yeah. Give me an example of like a Give me before we go back to Star Wars. Give me an example of like what is it? What is sort of like the 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 story or the villain that you think is like this is all this is compelling. So, I find, for instance, um, so for instance, there's this this idea of the I find the existential hero motif very interesting. I like mm-hmm. that one. Mm-hmm. And so I like, for instance, um, I I really have enjoyed books based around that kind of theme, I guess. And so I would argue that, um, oh, what is the name of that book? Oh, we have it sitting around here somewhere. Ah, damn it, Chippy. Yeah, we have it someplace Sorry. around here, but there's, uh, well, like, oh, so for instance, so for instance, mm-hmm. Alice in Wonderland mm-hmm. is, is one of my favorite okay. books. Okay. Alice in Wonderland is one of my favorite books. Alice in Wonderland does not fit that motif really at all because Alice doesn't what? learn Alice doesn't learn anything. Alice, what are you talking? Okay, so Alice is taken from a familiar taken by a familiar taken from a familiar situation. Yeah. Right? She is guided or follows a uh, someone who she doesn't know, but almost a, a curious mentor figure. Right? She comes across different uh, different characters that help her or that try and dissuade her from her path. And she ultimately faces an evil, right? I, I mean, in the, like, I guess in the Disney version she does, but in the, like, you know what I mean? Like, in the books... No, like, yeah, no, like no. in the books, she doesn't really learn much of anything. Like, there, there, it's, I guess maybe Alice, maybe Alice, mm-hmm. Alice's Adventures is a bad example because it's kind of a, not a satire necessarily, but almost like a play on those motifs, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, well, uh, so, like, so I, so, okay, so, yeah. so for instance, like, if we look at uh, The Stranger, Camus The mm-hmm. Stranger, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That hero. It's not oh a, God, he's not French a existentialism. Okay. He's not a hero. He's not a hero, no. right? Um, he shoots someone. Right. And yes. the whole mm-hmm. book is about their this person uh, coming to grips with that or even like mm-hmm. in Crime and Punishment, mm-hmm. right? Crime and Punishment, that's one of my favorite books. Crime and Punishment is about a person who decides that they could commit a horrendous crime and then mm-hmm. them having to live with the guilt. Until it mm. until it drives mm-hmm. them mad, right? That's one yeah, of you, that I you think w- is you went and whipped out some Dostoevsky. I know, like that. So okay. that that story, I think there is no. I suppose at the end, the person this this character learns mm-hmm. something, but mm-hmm. ultimate, do they feel regret? 
at the end, or they do they have? They, but they have some sort of. They do feel regret, angst, but they right? yeah. They, well, that's the whole. I mean, that's okay. the whole thing, right? It's you right. can't be an existentialist without angst, Marie, in a in a angst. in okay, a hot so topic me, uh, trench coat. You me... can't be it. I mean, it's not possible. <laughs> you know. So let me counter with you. Let's move. So we have now talked about uh, a new hope, Star Wars Episode Four. What about the second or the fifth? in the series, which is La Paire Counter-Attack, if you're speaking French, or, which I did see, I saw it when, uh, when we were in Paris once, <laughs> Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back. Now, what? The Empire Strikes Back. Okay, wait, okay. If you okay, want to okay, talk okay. about we existential got, we got, problems. We got really complicated, really, uh-huh. we got really complicated really quickly. Yeah. Explain yeah. the plot to me, Marie, because I don't know the plot very well. Oh my God! Of Le Père Counterattack. I think. Okay, uh, this is what I know. This is what I know. Okay. So, Luke's on a Luke's Luke's on a water farm. He meets Obi. He meets he meets (laughs) Obi Wan. Let me just let me just slow it down. Let's just slow slow the rule down. So basically, uh, again, like I'm gonna have to glaze over a few things like you did with thermodynamics. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Luke Skywalker. Finds droids. Yep. One of the droids has a message R2-D2. asking for help. Ask basically asking for help. Beep, boop, boop, boop. Yep. So he says, "Okay, you know that sounds like old Ben Kenobi." He goes up. He he meets who's going to be his future mentor, uh, and says, "You know, we need to basically who says who, who puts him on the road to the journey and says, "We want, I want you to go. We should help. We should, we have to go and we have to help." Princess, we have to return this droid to her with okay. this message. Okay. With these with these plans, yep. which is basically, uh, which are basically blueprint plans for a weakness within this ginormous, you know, Death Star. I believe we could even call it. Um, wait. Okay. Wait. Mm-hmm. That's okay. I have a question. Go right ahead. No. I'm with well, you. now I need to know the story, mm-hmm. though. Okay. So. Basically, and Luke says, "No, I don't want to. I can't. I've got, I've got my, I've got my aunt. I've got my uncle." Uh, but by then, you know, he, he races back from Obi Wan's hut and finds that the the um, Empire has already been there. They've destroyed the place. They've killed his family. So now he's basically he has no ties to keep him there, and he is compelled to go on this journey to one. Free the princess. Okay, so the because she's being held hostage. Okay. By the evil empire, get her back. This droid R two D two that has in R two the plans for the Death Star. Okay, so. But they're stuck on a planet. They're bound on this planet. Him, this old man, these two droids. One's just you know, basically worthless. The other one. I don't know how it gets over curbs because, you know, that's we watch like R2-D2 and I'm like, how does that thing even navigate? But it's a really good question. They've got to get off this planet, right? So they have to go into this, this, this seedy underbelly to find a pilot, to find someone who will aid them in their adventure to get them where they're going. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think, I think okay. we're, I think, okay. I think we're getting, so okay. Mm-hmm. 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 I think I know the for first... For anyone else out there, for anyone else out there who dying. hasn't seen... <laughs> who hasn't seen Star Wars. <laughs> so, okay. So, let me... Okay. Okay. The okay. Empire draws first blood. Um, they what? drew first blood! 
Okay, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Rambo. So, a movie I have oh. seen many times. So, Jesus. Okay. So, yeah, um, so no, the Empire, the Empire slowly gained through political okay. oh, yeah, yeah, right. and nefarious means, slowly gained uh, presence and power, okay. and then basically instated themselves as... As a uh, we, as a uh, so we, wait, fascist dictator. Okay, so, okay, so in the first one, but he didn't. They didn't. He didn't win the popular. Vote in the first one, out. he come on. In the first one, he blows up the Death Star. Yes. What the hell happens what? in the other oh, two? You're then? gonna skip. You're gonna skip. Well, you like all the way okay. to the end. I feel like I'm right. probably the yes. only one in this. All the people listening to this are gonna know oh. what hell happens in these movies. There's no probably about it, sir. You are the only one. But I know. That's okay. So let's let's, let's do, let's do so, broad strokes. Broad strokes. Broad bullet points. What broad the hell strokes. happened to the second one? So the second one. Because they already destroyed the, the Death Star. End. Yeah, right. So everything should be happy, right? Yeah. It's a good ending. But they still haven't they still haven't ridded just because they got rid of the symptom doesn't mean that oh. what's actually causing the problem is is not gone. I right? see. The emperor is still there. He's still, you know, he's still, okay. you know, rules with an iron fist. Okay. His his troops are still spread across the galaxy. So the, it's The tre- rebel alliance is now under more attack because they just blew up the goddamn Death Star. And let me tell you, like, you want to talk about an existential crisis. I would say, like, anyone who is between the, who is, like, I want to say around 10 years old, to 15 years old when they were watching and that's like I it was around 8 or 10 when when um oh wow uh yeah when uh when I saw Empire Strikes Back that's some existential shit man cuz that nothing goes well shit does not go well right right it does not end on an up note you 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 are you've seen the first one and you're like you know what shit's going to be fine they're going to come out of it he's going to make the great shot it's going to blow up the death star and no no Luke finds out, you know, basically uh, his friends are taken, are, are, are lured into a false sense of security and then taken prisoner. Uh, his, his best friend, quote unquote best friend, the Han Solo, is frozen in carbonite. That's what and, happens. And sent back to, and sent back to uh, uh, Jabba the Hutt, who he owes money to. Uh, and then... Luke finally realizes, or is forced to realize, that this evil that has been staring him in the face that he has sort of distanced himself from and has not felt attached to is his own father. But this person, who he always assumed killed his father, is actually a part of him. Okay, so that's when he so he finds it out in Empire Strikes Back. Yes. When does he when does he meet Yoda? Search yourself, you know this to be true. He meets he meets Yoda before then, so he is like I have to go. I've got to meet. I've got to. I've got to continue my training. Uh, uh, I'm going to go okay. and I am going to meet Yoda. Yoda turns out to be again, you know, sort of this quizzical. Not really doesn't make a lot of speaks backwards. Doesn't make a lot of sense. Doesn't give him any real answers. Makes him feel more uncertain than than he should feel. Very Alice right. in he's, Wonderland. He's like he's like any good PhD advisor. It's perfect. <laughs> Exactly. Okay. Trying to explain thermodynamics. Right. It's not going well. Backwards. Smacking them in the head. Well. You know, whatever. Exactly. However, it ends basically with a lot of uncertainty and a lot of angst because 
you know, shit's downhill. They are not winning. Okay. They're not where they thought they should be. And so then... So I would counter by saying that is a very... That is a very... And, like, when you're a kid, you're like, what? No! Yeah, sure. No, no, no. He I, loves her! I see she that. loves him! I see that. He lost a hand! So then, screwed! So, then, mm-hmm. so in the third one now, he... They, they kill the emperor. Oh. My God, man. I, I'm going to just have to fly on a plane out there, sit down, and just walk you through this entire thing with commentary, comic books and everything else. Oh, okay, no. So the third one, the final, quote-unquote, final, is basically they, uh, the Death Star is reoperable. Ah. Oh. It is reoperable. Come on. Uh, dude, contractors. It's like a war. Like contractors. A huh? It's like a war. Won't go away. Well, it's just... Just like they said in, in Clerks, you know, contractors. That seriously is like, like Clerks, for a long time, Clerks was my one, because like, I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan. I mean, you're, I mean, we're all, we're all huge Kevin Smith fans here. Oh my God. But like, when Clerks was like my only, like, knowledge of Star Wars for a while. Star Wars. Yep. That and like, actually, it's funny. The first time I learned about Thermodynamics Marine was in a game where you were a droid and you had to build the droid so it can it could like use simple machines and stuff. Oh my god! And so one of the things actually was getting like an R two unit kind of thing to like go up a. a it was like he can't climb stairs, so you have to build a slope he that can move him. Climb stairs. That fucking R two unit. <laughs> thank God he sounds cute because that little fucker can't do. Anything. Can't do anything. Anyways, can't do All anything. All right. So basic. Okay. So the third one again, you know, is not to my. Particular liking the strongest of you know of all of them. They and to got the Ewoks, which is whatever. Um, again, they have to they have to blow up the Death Star. Uh, they've got to rescue Han Solo at the beginning of it, um, and get him away from Jabba the Hutt. And then they have to actually go back in and, and redestroy the Empire. And then Luke has to confront his father and persuade his father that he has not been corrupted. Uh, that there's still good in him um, and that he should turn from from his decisions and, and use his own free will wait. and turn against the Empire. Wait, he hangs out with Vader? At the end, he fights Vader. He doesn't go to fight Vader. He actually surrenders to Vader and he says, and he says, I, you know, because Vader's, he's determined to, Vader's determined to bring him to the dark side or he has to kill him. So wait, okay, all right. Mm-hmm. So... What happens at the end? Because why is there another movie coming out or came out already where they're like, shit's bad again and Luke's away and whatever. What shit's, happened? So wait, shit's bad again. <laughs> what happened? So at the beginning. Why didn't they learn, Marie? Why didn't they learn? Because just like any good existential crisis, there is no learning. You're assuming that there is a resolution. You're assuming... We haven't even talked about the Force. We've gotten this far into this whole thing, and we have not even talked about the Force. That's fucking sad. I, we're honestly... sorry. We're going to have to... I'm sorry, young Padwan. We're going to have to do another one of these. Sorry, man. So basically, I mean... Yeah, we, we should do a whole one just about the Force, but we're just talking about just overall sweeping broad strokes. Um, to your point, like... No lesson is 100% learned, right? He doesn't, there is no total resolution. Evil is never totally vanquished. And good is never totally good, which is actually one of the things that I appreciate about Star Wars, is that mm-hmm. it, it's, you know, it sets up sort of this binary, 
you know, Jedi versus Sith, but it plays a lot within that as well. But it's more, it's more nuanced than that. I think so. So, I think so. And especially, especially now going on with, um, so a lot of people have a lot of issues with, uh, series one through three, which is the, how Anakin actually became, uh, Anakin actually became Vader. Those are literally the only ones I remember. Uh, well, <laughs> Maybe that's the problem. Here's, so here's the beautiful thing about Star Wars that I will say, is that each generation has some sort of touchstone within Star Wars. And I think that that is a huge cultural thing as well. So, like, for me, it's the original three. It's, it's epi- or what we consider episode four through eight. For another generation, it's going to be one through three. For people that are even younger than that, it's Clone Wars and the animated series. Sure. And then even after that, it's it is the new it is the new series and Rogue One and sort of these standalone. So things. it's fu- so it's actually fu- yeah it's uh, it's funny. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, no, no. I think it's actually funny. I would say for me, mm-hmm. at least, it was the video games. Like I'm not yes. I'm not even super and into it. Games. I'm not even super into it, but. Like the little bit of it that I am into it, and even like playing Battlefront, like hearing the noises and stuff, mm-hmm. it made me happy. Like I, you know, I was like, I was like, oh man, like I remember, like when I was a kid, we always fought with the lightsabers, right? Oh, like that yeah. was all we did oh, when we played yeah. was like beat the crap out of each other with those lightsaber things. I was doing that earlier today. <laughs> Enjoy, oh, man. Nice, but like, yeah. you know, so. I almost wonder, like, do you think there is a, do you think that there, so you, I mean, you, you have a daughter now. Yes. Do you think that there is an age where if you don't, if you didn't expose her to Star Wars at a, by a certain age, do you think, because I, I almost feel like because I wasn't exposed to it, like my mom was never into it. You know what I mean? Growing up, whatever. My mom was into like the prisoner and whatever and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I almost wonder sometimes if my mom had been into it and I had been exposed to it, you know, in the same way that some of my friends had been mm-hmm. as kids, would I now be super into it? Because that's what I would have been exposed to. Right? Like my mom, I was exposed yeah. to um, like stories about witches and like, you know, spooky crap. Um, spooky. Yeah. You no, know, I'm with you. I'm with like, you. I, I wonder, think... I wonder if it's not. Like maybe I, I think that's a little oversimplified as well. No, no, no. But, but I, I do it's a, wonder. I think it's yeah, a really good question because I feel like so me trying to get Julia to watch the original four. Like she's just like like she says she's like this is hokey, it's loud. Yeah, it has string on it, right? She's very critical of it, and you know with with good cause. I think you look at sort of the acting uh, from the original three, and it's like eh, you know it's not it is not the most nuanced, beautifully crafted story but for 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 dialogue but the thing that she really loves is the subsequent cartoons so um whatever came out on disney xd which is yeah yeah sure clone wars Wars, and rebels right she loves them she loves them Mm. she can she she we were watching and from that she wanted to go see um i can't remember if it was rogue one it must have been rogue one in Rogue One, she identified the ship that's in Rebels, which is the ghost. She's like, there's <laughs> the ghost. She found, she found the, there's Chopper. There's, so she, like, she's found things that she likes and she identifies with. Sure. And I think definitely within um, Force Awakens, like with Rey and BB-8, she was just totally um, 
taken with the fact that it was a girl. Sure. As well. Absolutely. Which is awesome. Yeah. And with uh with um yeah with Rogue One and uh, whatever I can't even remember the character's name. But again, like more female characters, more diverse characters coming into place. It's just sort of opening more options of of what Star Wars looks like to, sure. to a wider audience, which I think is pretty cool. You know, I think that that's that is one of the huge cultural touchstones to me is like it isn't to your point it's it's not like the matrix like the matrix has is excellent in certain ways and then it stops but star wars has this this sort of growth factor and this this way to affect and touch in my opinion like different generations which to me is is pretty impressive sure Cool. So we should try and like I'm gonna have to fly out. We're gonna have to walk through. Yeah, <laughs> really watch these. Like I'm telling you, we're gonna have to watch these. We talk about the force. Uh, I'm like, we'll get I'm to it. To, we'll, we'll have to blindfold you, and I'm just gonna throw baseballs at you, and you're gonna have to hit it with the uh, hit it with a stick, just like some Jedi training. Phenomenal. All right. Well, with that threat on my life, Woo! let's end the episode. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this Mad Scientist Roundtable. I'm your host, Chris Cogswell. I have been joined by Marie Mayhew. And may the force be with you. May the force be with you. And it's treason then, etc. And I'm not a number. All that good stuff. (laughs) I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I'll be back in one week with our episode on vampires, the beginnings of our Halloween specials. And then we'll be back in two weeks with another roundtable. Hopefully, pretty soon with another low, low down. Yeah, another low we down. We owe the people some low soon. down. We are working hard on that as well. Thank you again so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Good night. Good night. A news story gets shared by a friend on social media, or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil. But how do you separate fact from fiction? That's the premise behind Disinformation, a 10-part series from Evergreen Podcasts and Emergent Risk International coming this fall. Tune in to Disinformation wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, don't believe everything you read.